Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Is there anybody in here lining up in the perfect line? No, not not, not a person that is perfect, but a person that says, God, you've redeemed me and you're changing me and I want to be changed. God, I want to live in righteousness. I want to live in a way that honors you and pleases you and that you can use to speak into other people's lives. Attitude. Winston Churchill said, it's a little thing that makes a big difference. In life, your attitude can affect pretty much everything about your life and your attitude can be affected by so many things in your life. So, how's your attitude? Think about your own attitude and the daily stuff of life. Where are you in the attitude? What has had its influences on you? And how could that be changed by just slowing down and thinking about, but now wait a minute, yeah, this is going on, or that happened, or that person did that to me, to just slow down in the midst of all that and say, but now wait a minute, Jesus Christ died on the cross so that I could be adopted into his family. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Pastor Clay's been gone for a couple of weeks, but he's back and ready to continue in our series, Building on the Basics. As we continue our study in 1 John and the basic of love, we're looking today at chapter 3, where, as Pastor Clay is going to explain, the Apostle John has something to say about our attitude toward God and our attitude toward the world and the difference it can have in our daily lives. Thanks for joining us. Now here's Pastor Clay. Hey, we are building on the basics here at Cross Culture Church, a series we've been walking through uh, most of the general, what are called the general letters or the general epistles of the New Testament, looking at some of the basic uh, foundations of a, of a life in Jesus Christ. And the basic that we're looking at from John's letter in, in the general epistles, first, second, third John. We're still in first John. But the basic, John talks about several things there that come out within the course of of the letter, but this overriding, overarching, uh, basic idea that John brings out is, somebody say it if you know it, love. How do we walk in it? Keeping in mind, not the world's idea of love, not Hollywood's idea of love, God's understanding, God's perspective, God's uh, explanation of what love actually is. How do we walk in it? How do we live in it? How do we experience that kind of love in our lives in such a way that it affects my relationship with God, it affects my relationship with my fellow believers, and we'll get into that next week pretty heavy, how it affects my relationship to the, to the world, those outside of relationship with Jesus Christ, and even how it affects just me and who I am and, and what I think of myself and whether I like myself and, or don't, or what, how does love play into all of that. There's a lot to say about it, but we're going we're gonna to keep it uh, fairly uh, simple uh, today. We have baptism at the end of the service. We're only going to go a little ways through 1 John chapter 3, but if you have a Bible with you, you can open it there. 1 John chapter 3, building on the basic of love, how to walk in it. If you don't happen to have a copy of God's Word with you, electronic or hard copy, we will also have the text up on the screen in just a few moments as you'll see, but it is the basic of love. What's, what, 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 what is it? What do we got to do? What do, what, do, what do we need? Well, we'll start with this idea this morning. The right attitude toward God can make a world of difference. If we're going to understand this love, if we're going to walk in this love, if we're going to live this Christ-like life out, did anybody just get electrocuted? Did that sound like electrocution? Okay, 
<laughs> I just, I, I don't know. Um, if we're going to do this, then, then here, here's the idea we're starting with. The right attitude toward God can make a world of difference. Verse 1 and verse 2, 1 Peter chapter 3, it looks like this. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. Father, I'm asking for uh, uh, just your truth to speak into my heart and my life and the life of every person listening to this message today. Uh, I, I just think there's something really important about this uh, right attitude toward you and how it makes a difference in our lives. So I'm praying for clarity, uh, for edification, just for your anointing uh, upon my mouth, uh, their ears and heart, God, uh, for you to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. That uh, great philosopher, <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow, once said, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. There's a lot of truth in that statement. Uh, Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of England during World War II, famously said this, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Attitudes, attitudes can be shaped by a lot of things, right? Attitudes can be shaped by, by circumstances. Attitudes can be shaped by what happens to me. Attitudes can be shaped by what others do to me. Attitudes can be shaped by uh, trials, by tragedies, by triumphs, by, uh, by good days, by bad days. A lot of stuff can, can influence my attitude. Would you agree with that? But, and are you listening to me? But my attitude ultimately is controlled by one thing and one thing only. Are you looking at me? Me. Me. Author and, and pastor uh, Chuck Swindoll said this. We cannot change our past and you can't. You can spend your life living there, but I'm just telling you, you can't change it. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have. And that is our, say it, attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. So how do we get this? What, if, if attitude is something to be shaped by, by a lot of, or influenced by a lot of different things, how do we get it right? How do we have an attitude that is right uh, toward God and and in my life, and all of these kind of things. Because, as I'm premising here, the, a right attitude toward God can make a world of difference in your life. There are at least a, a couple of things here, but let me, let me start with this one. You start with appreciation for who, he, who we are because of Him. This is the first idea John kind of breaks out on. It's appreciation for who we are because of Him. Look at me, appreciation for who you are because of Him. Look again at verse 1. 
See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And such we are. And for this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. The last part of that verse, really, is just, John's just saying that the world, people outside of relationship with Jesus Christ, that they just, they don't get it. They don't, you understand? They don't, they don't get it. They won't get it. They don't understand why you'll do what you'll do. They don't understand why you, why you serve. They don't understand why you give. They don't understand why you go. They don't understand why you would live a life that, that is many times difficult, most times sacrificial, and should at all times be God-honoring, God-focused. They just won't get that. I can tell you a lot of people that I talk to don't understand why. Apostle Paul 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 said this. He says, the message of the cross is, say that word, foolish. The message of the cross, the idea of, of the cross and, and all that it encompasses, the, the, this dynamic that God would save me and redeem me and change me, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. In other words, those without the message of the cross, they're lost. But we who are being saved, we know it's the very power of, of God. We know that it affects and, and changes our lives, but, but they don't get it. They, they won't get it. They don't understand why we would do what we do. But it is appreciation for who we are because of him. See, Paul says, or John says, see, look, look how great a love God has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, in the in the craziness of life. Can I get an amen? Does anybody have any craziness in their life? In the craziness of life, in the schedules to keep, and the places to go, and the things to do, and the relationships that are, that are driving me crazy, or that I'm working on, or, that, or this or that, and the financial strains that we have, or, or the, the struggles of this, and the work situation, and the not working situation, and, the, and all, the, all the stuff of life, all the craziness of life. It, it's, it's sometimes so easy for us to forget the fact that I am a child of God. And I ought to be appreciative of that fact. We, but we hear it, right? We, we live in the Bible Belt and you go to church and we hear it all the time. And, and sometimes it gets just easy. It just, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, saved. And just forget what that means. That I have been adopted into the family of God. I'm part of the family of God. I have the privilege of being called a child of God because of what he has done for me. Sometimes it is just to slow down and appreciate, and I would say this, to let, let attitude, let gratitude shape my attitude. Let gratitude shape my attitude. I, I, is, I got a confession to make. Y'all ready? So we're coming back from the other side of the world, right? And we're in this airport, and uh, this uh, young Asian gentleman is speaking in his language, and he's, he's speaking to us, or, you know, to a guy that's with us that's can, is an American, but he can speak Chinese, and he's speaking to him, and he's telling him, we need, we need, uh, we need our bags checked through. We got to fly from Sanya to Guangzhou, and Guangzhou to JFK. We need our bags check, checked through all the way to JFK, and we need boarding passes for, uh, for this flight out of Sanya and the flight out of Guangzhou to JFK. 
No, no, you, in Chinese, you just, no, you, you can't do that. You, you, just ha- you have to get your bags when you get to Guangzhou, and you have to uh, take them and recheck them, and you have to get your boarding passes. And I knew, I knew this was not going to be good. This, uh, you know, but, you know, it's the flight. It, we, we, get, we arrive three hours early in Guangzhou. Surely there'll be enough time to get our stuff. Well, of course, what happens? Storms. Flight out of Sanya is delayed by two hours. Leaving. Long story short, time we get to Guangzhou, time we try and, uh, uh, Rick and Travis, or they go to get the bags, and I'm running upstairs, and that's rather com- comical. Any of you have, tried to see, have seen me try to run these days? I'm trying to run upstairs and go get our boarding passes, and, and virtually everything's in Chinese, and I'm really just not that adept at Chinese. I'll tell you that right now. And, uh, and, and I can't find... You know, where am I supposed to go? Where is, where is this airline? Because they really all kind of look the same. And, uh, and so we, we miss our flight. We miss our flight. And I, I did not let gratitude shape my attitude. I, I didn't, man, because I was, I was sweating. I was running around there sweating, trying to find. Now we haven't found it, and we clearly have not made the flight. And we, we go up to this, finally find somebody we can talk to, and he says, oh, no, you can't get on that flight. And it's still flashing boarding, but he's, no, you know. So I, I, just, I just wasn't grateful. I just, I'm like, oh, I knew it. I knew that kid was going to mess us up. I'm just, I don't know if I said this out loud, there, but I'm like, I knew he was going to mess us up. I knew this was going to be a problem. I knew, and now who knows when we're going to get home. And, and I'm just going on and on and on and on and on. And the whole time, you know what I am? I'm a child of God. I get to be called a child of God, whether I'm in Sanya, Guangzhou, or Timbuktu, I'm a child of God. And, and if I can, and if I can slow down, here's what I'm saying: this in in the busyness and the hecticness of life, to just slow down and 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 contemplate. Is okay? You know, that's not. Is that okay? Contemplate, meditate, to just slow down and think about this a moment. Wow, that, that's what that's what John's saying. Look, look how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. Get to be called children of God. It's just appreciation for who we are because of him. That's what I'm saying. This, to, to have this right attitude, you've got to start with this idea that, man, I ought to appreciate what God has done for me, what he's made possible for me because of the death of his only begotten eternal son. He's made it possible for me to be adopted into the family of God. You understand what I'm saying? Let gratitude shape your attitude. Instead of, what I did, letting your circumstances shape and influence your attitude. Does anybody ever have a problem with that? Anybody ever struggle with their circumstances shaping their attitude? Sure. But who ultimately, who ultimately is responsible for my attitude? Me. So you can do what most of the world does. You can live with and you can get stirred up and blood pressure up and overheated and angry and just what, whatever. Or you can say, no, God, wait, let me just stop. God, I really, really wanted to be on that flight. I miss my wife. I miss home. I wish I really wanted to be on that flight, God. But I'm, I'm your child and you sent me over here to accomplish something. God, can I just thank you for who I am? I, I, just, I just believe it'll, it'll shape your attitude. Okay, so uh, appreciation for who we are because of him. Here's a second idea. 
anticipation for who we will be because of Him. You ready? You ready? Anticipation for who we will be because of Him. Listen, can I be honest with you? Uh, having a title doesn't really mean anything if it doesn't get get anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, if, if saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm a child of God, if saying that I'm a child of God uh, is, is for this life only and it doesn't change who I am or it doesn't change where I'm going, then what have I really gained by it? As a matter of fact, in this world, to stand up and say, yes, I'm a child of God is probably only going to bring you persecution in this life. No, John's saying there's something more to this. There's something more than just in this life being able to say that I'm a child of God. Look what he says in verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. He's writing to people that, that are part of the family of God. He says, that's what we are. Now, because of what we've done, what he has done, this is what we are. We, we are children of God. Watch this. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. Now, a couple ideas to think about in the midst of this. First, we are changing. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've come to the place where you've recognized, hey, I'm a sinner, I deserve hell, quite honestly, but someone shared with me or somehow I heard that God sent His Son to die on the cross for me and that if I would place my, my full commitment of my life to Him, that He would take my sin upon himself. He would redeem me and I would be adopted in the family of God and I can be called a child of God. If that's where you are, then listen to me, you are changing. We are a work in progress. If you know Christ as your personal savior, you are a construction zone. God is working on us. The biblical concept, the biblical word, the the $10 word is sanctification. How many of you heard that word before? Sanctification. That's the word. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 6. And having been freed from sin, he said, since, since you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, so you've been freed from the, from the penalty and the power of sin, he said, having been freed from sin, you became slaves of, what's that next word? Righteousness. You became slaves of righteousness. Now watch what he says. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. He's not insulting them. He's just saying, because you're new at this and you may not understand this, I'm speaking kind of in in human terms. So as you were, think of it, you were a slave before relationship with Christ, you were a slave to sin. You you lived for yourself. You lived for what you wanted, what you wanted to do and what mattered uh, to you. But when you came into relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, "Now, now think of yourself as like a slave to righteousness. A slave does what their master tells them to do, right? That's what he's saying. You understand? He's, he's, not, he's not insulting them. He's just saying, hey, I'm speaking this in a way that you can understand. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, more, more sin, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in, say it, sanct. In other words, resulting in a changed life, a person who is not the same in their actions, in their attitude, in everything, because they've come into this relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at it again. Uh, Again, Romans chapter 6, verse 22. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, it's thinking in those terms. You derive your benefit resulting in, come on, resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. 
your life is being changed because of this relationship that you have now with Jesus Christ. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter one, I think, verse thirty. Yeah, but by His doing. You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and, come on, sanctification and redemption. See, this is all part of it. That, that, that sanctification goes with redemption. It's all part of God's changing me. We are changing. We're being changed. Uh, yeah, First Thessalonians 4. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Sexual immorality or dealing with sexual sin is not, obviously not the only sin. Paul addresses that one because it was in the context it was something that needed to be addressed there. In our context, it's not a bad thing to address in the culture in which we live in today. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And one more, First uh, Thessalonians 4 again. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. We are being changed. Sometimes I've heard someone make a comment something like this. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've said it. Well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. Yeah, I've got a temper. I can can flare off, but that's just the way I am. Yeah, I I, I have a hard time forgiving. Somebody hurts me. I'm not going to forgive them. It's just just the way I am. I, I know I probably should should serve or do this or that, but I, I just don't want to. That's just, that's, just the way I, that's just the way I am. I love you, but Jesus didn't die so that you could stay just the way you are. Jesus died so that you and I could be changed into who exactly who he wants us to be. A person that is not perfect. Is there anybody in here lining up in the perfect line? No, not, not, not a person that is perfect, but a person that says, God, you've redeemed me and you're changing me and I want to be changed. God, I want to live in righteousness. I want to be a slave, as it were, to righteousness. I want to live in a way that honors you and pleases you and, and, and that you can use to speak into other people's lives. God, do that in me. Listen to me. John keeps saying it over and over again in a lot of different ways, but he says, if you're not changing, if there's not this process going on in you, then John says, you're just fooling yourself. You may, I don't care what you say. You can say all day that you possess, but you don't really possess Christ. You may profess it, but you don't possess it. No, we, we are changing. <laughs> That's an exciting thing. Because it's, it's good for me to know that God is filing off the rough edges and he's, he's taking away stuff that doesn't belong and he's adding in, he's building in stuff that ought to be in my life. That's exciting to me. It ought to be exciting to us to thank God. You're changing me and I'm so grateful that I'm not the person that I was when I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that person, that person, it was about me. What I wanted, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, what I, it didn't matter. That's all that mattered to me was me. God, you're changing that in me. So it's anticipation for who God, we're in this process. That's at least part of what John means when he says it has not yet appeared what we shall be. But there's a second part to it and it looks like this. We will be changed. We are changing. We will be changed. What he says in uh, this phrase again, it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. In other words, when all is said and done, we, we don't know. You and I, or I, I mean, unless somehow you've gotten some insight on it, but we don't know exactly what this will be like in the end. We don't know what our eternal bodies will be like, do we? Do you? I mean, exactly? Not exactly. We have some... By the way, John gives us a hint, doesn't he? Did you catch the hint? 
when he says, we shall be like him. In other words, the body that, that the disciples experienced of Jesus resurrected after the cross, after the empty tomb, three days later, that, that John says that someday, we don't know yet what, exactly what all we're going to be like, but we're going to be like him. Now, what do we know about him? What do we know about this, this appearance of Jesus after the resurrection? Well, here's one thing we know. We know that he had a literal, physical, flesh and bone body. We know that. How do we know that? John uh, chapter 20, verse 27 says this. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hand. And reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. You understand what he's saying? He says, Thomas, come over here. Touch me. Hug me if you want to, Thomas. Put your hand in the nail prints in my hand. Put your hand into the side where my, my side was pierced by the spear. Thomas, it's me. I'm flesh and bone. It's me. That's what we know. We will be like him. But we also know that this body was different somehow. That it somehow was not, was not limited by the whole time, space, matter thing. Yeah. Don't even need a cape. <laughs> uh, skinny. Okay. All right. <laughs> Watch. Watch verse 26. Let me back it up just a little bit. Look what he says, verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. They're, they're in a room. Thomas is with them. Jesus came, the doors having been, come on, y'all can read, shut. And by, by the way, by that he means locked, bolted. Because, you know, there's a whole lot going on and are the religious leaders looking for them? And the doors being shut and should be Jesus stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Jesus came in the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. You see what John's doing? He's going out of his way to tell you that the doors are shut. It's locked up, but Jesus suddenly appears to them. This Jesus who says, he says, Thomas, put, put, your, put your finger in my hand. Put, it, put your hand in my side. We're going to be changed, folks. I, I don't know whether we're going to be skinny or not, but we're going to be changed. Listen, can you anticipate that for just a moment? Can you just say, God, because, because of what you have done, because I'm adopted into the family of God, that's, that's mine. And I don't even know what all heaven's going to be like. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know all that stuff. But here's what I know. I know that I'm going to be like him. And I'm going to have that. And that ought to shape my attitude, ladies and gentlemen. The very idea that all of this stuff, all this hecticness and craziness, all the good stuff and the bad stuff, all the 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 stuff that happened, that all of this eventually is going away. But eternity, eternity is mine. Whatever all it will be, God being a good God, going to make it very, very good. And I will be like him. Now, someone might say, I, that's, I, that's just too fantastic to believe. Our bodies are changed, and like we're real, but we can just disappear. And that's, that's, just, that's, I can't, that's just too fantastic to believe. Let me say this first. It would be too fantastic to believe if there is no God. I make this argument all the time. If there is no God, then that's just too fantastic to believe. But if there is a God, then that's exactly the sort of thing you would expect a God to be able to do. Second, let me say this. It would be difficult for me to believe too. It's so, it's so great. It's so fantastic. It might be difficult for me to believe as well, except for one very major thing. The empty tomb. The empty tomb is proof positive, girls, 
ladies, gentlemen, the empty tomb is proof positive that you will be changed. The right attitude toward God can shape everything. It can make a world of difference. Can I just say in closing, just think about this. Think about your own attitude and the daily stuff of life. Where are you in the attitude? What has had its influences on you? And how could that be changed by just slowing down and thinking about, but now wait a minute, yeah, this is going on, or that happened, or that person did that to me, or, or this is, I hate this in my life, or I hate if, if, to just slow down in the midst of all that and say, but now wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that I could be adopted into his family and that I could be changed. I am changing, and I will be changed. God has done so much for us. And as Pastor Clay explained in today's message, having an attitude of gratitude for what God has done not only honors Him, it also keeps us moving in the right direction. As we heard today, we are still a work in progress. God is shaping us to be more like Jesus in our daily lives. It's exciting to think about being a child of God, but being a child of God means being like Him. And keeping the right attitude about the world around us keeps us from focusing too much on the things that really won't matter in the end. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.